Yeah, hello? Yes? Yeah, I'm looking for an artist. Oh, okay. I'm looking for an artist. Alright. Yeah. So basically what I say to every guest is like, don't be afraid to, yeah, you, you know, lean into it. I I was kind of watching you talk to the room earlier and I was like, I don't need to tell this guy anything about <laughs> presence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Tim Rogan. Yes, sir. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is Looking for Artists and it's a series where we're basically exploring the artists that are like among us in the city. But the thing is with you mm-hmm. is I have the feeling that you're not necessarily always in the city. That is correct. But you are an artist? I am. I am, I am. Do you call New York home? I do now. Okay, I do now. then you can be on the show. Yeah. It was, uh, okay. I would say, three years ago was like that pivotal shift when you're like, all right, are we going to commit to this? Are we going to like make that, like mm. move in? you know, move headquarters and this and that. And like, you know, you were debating all the places for an actor to go and um, with the stage background and this and that. And just, you know, we were talking like where family's from. It was going to, we were like, all right, New York or LA, New York or LA. And it was a very clear, like go to New York first, get, get some traction and stuff there. And just, I was like, kind of commit to it. And that was like a, like a, a three and a half, three and a half year ago thing. So I'm like, I tell people now, I'm like, yes, I'm from New York and we'll put it in quotations, right. but I'm like, but you know, right. So three and a half years ago, you committed to the city. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. did you first move? Uh, August, 2015, 2015. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a city of New York ID. Yeah. Well, that's why. And so if that's I'm why Yorker, I tell people and they'll be like, Oh, where are you guys from? And you're like here, but you know, I'm not one of those people that I'm like, I wasn't like, raised in manhattan or anything like that so right well i mean we were talking earlier about like finding people that are that have share similar interests as you do and mm-hmm. you feel like you're home so it doesn't really matter like where you're from yeah but geographically you may find that more people flock to a certain area yeah so i feel at home at, at in new york yeah like, when i go back to visit chattanooga tennessee and if i'm coming by car when i see the skyline i feel this relief of like oh i'm back I'm that's back home. that's so real man and there was a bit there was a big thing for me um leaving because dc has a really wonderful theater community hmm. um and it's very very close-knit and then to after doing a couple uh non-union tours um you you sort of built this mini network of people that are now based out of new york and i remember one of the awesome things about dc before i left was you'd go to auditions Sure, you know, stressful, stressful scenarios, but you would see all of your friends and stuff there at the audition. So it kind of made it like this little mini hangout where you're Mm. like, oh, that's nice. And just in the past couple of years now, even with some auditions in New York, going into audition rooms and being like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces now. I'm seeing friends when I'm going to these buildings 
it's it's welcoming and it's almost inviting rather than it used to be very very intimidating the first right. few times that you just you know you walk into a new environment and it's unfamiliar um and sort of that that evolution of it being like an away game to a home game and you're like oh now some of these buildings and and studios um casting offices are now feeling like I'm walking in with a home field advantage which is just totally different. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And there's I love that you use that a metaphor of a home field advantage yeah. because there it's still there's still competition. Yeah. Even amongst those people that you that you are familiar with. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so before we get too far into this, because we've already kind of started in many ways. I was kind of weird in the elevator because I was like trying not to answer your questions, but trying to be social <laughs> at the same time. And I was like, We did. Mm, we had we had yes. a nice preamble to this. So. We did, yeah. So this is well deserved, well earned. We ramped up to it. But here we are. So I, I start with question of the day. And it's different for everybody. I kind of feel them out and then, you know, ask them a question of the day that I think would uh, kind of open up, you know, their mind to me. Like yeah. That I can kind of see, like, how they work. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to think too much into it. It's just a question. Yeah. So the question of the day for you today is, what's the earliest... Because we've been speaking of home a lot. And mm-hmm. before I even met you, I was thinking about questions I could ask you. But this is it. What's the earliest memory that you have? And if you don't want to answer that, what's the earliest memory that you have that you feel comfortable sharing? Um, That's a great question. One of the earliest memories that I have, and it's almost hard to describe because it's at that age, it's more like flashes and like little images and stuff. Right. But I, I feel like one of the earliest things that I remember is being in our first home. I told you, like, we moved to the, to the childhood home that we're at in Potomac um, when I was very, very young. But I just have these tiny snippets of stuff from the old house and, like, being by the fireplace there. And I think watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was on the TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're, like, just some of those images. But it's this place where I'm, like, I couldn't you know, if we, I could probably like drive by it and not know it, but right. it's you know, right. like, you, it's just that, like that, that before time before, cause your memory's not even fully formed yet. Um, yeah. and then another actually like, you know, again, going with the Disney, Disney movie thing, but another one of like the early, early memories that I remember is, and I think it might've been the first, it's the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters, but was Aladdin. And I remember seeing it like at Montgomery mall. And it's just like, that first time going to a movie theater and just having that whole experience. Cause you as a kid, you know, we had, I had older siblings, so we'd watch stuff on, on TV, but going to a movie theater and having that yeah. cinema yeah. experience. And I just remember that having yeah. a lasting, lasting effect. I have two nephews and I was there for one of their first move, first, first movie experiences. And it What'd was, you guys see? it was just awesome to watch. I think it was frozen. To be okay. Honest. And I was watching them as much as I was watching the movie, yeah, and it was just it was incredible to see because it is an otherworldly, like out of bod, out of body, high, bigger than life experience. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, movies. for your first, like for your first one as a kid. I mean, it's just that yeah. like that difference of going from your living room to yeah. then going to a theater and having that. Well, both of these, town. both of your memories that you drew, that you conjured, are so rich with sentiment that yeah. it begs the question: like, did do you think that it, that that those moments stick out to you and have any correlation with like what you do now? Oh, I absolutely. I mean, I think, I think watching 
movies as a kid. And it's that I was just joking with my sister where um, I joked about wanting to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle as a kid. <laughs> and I was like, there's you know people that are like, oh, how did you become, like, how did you be- become a performer? And I'm like, oh, it's a lot of roads sort of like converging into one thing. But like yeah. one of those roads... Um, was legitimately loving the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and wanting to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, oh, and then like, and then realizing, well, that might not be a possibility, and then being like, <laughs> oh, well, you could like do them in the movies. Like, there's actors that have yeah. to do that, and me yeah. like, oh, well, wait, so like, an actor gets to gets to do that, and like, the stuntmen get to do like your job can be to do all that awesome, cool I stuff. I can be and so, a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, so, I could do it. So like that sense of yeah. like play and like being infatuated and I go and I'm like it's still true it's like you watch stuff um I feel like when I watch content there's two things going on you're watching it one as the audience member and then two as the actor and going oh man I'm I'm on this journey with yeah. this character and then two there's the actor in you now and going being like Oh, I want to be a part of that. Oh, I wonder what that was like to shoot that scene right, and like this and that. Right. And I try to just enjoy it the first go around, right. but I love to now like having like been on a couple of sets and done like, you know, just like gotten my feet wet into some of the things being like, Oh, I wonder what that was like, what that was like on set. I wonder what it's like to go through that process for that. So, but I mean, I, I wonder if that's, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if that's, um, you know, something that sticks out to someone who wants to perform or if everyone kind of has those two lenses when they go to movies I, or like, I wonder, man. I mean, and that's, that's content. actually a great question that I'm like, I don't think right. I've asked too many of my non, um, performer friends that question of being like, when you watch that, do you want to do that? You know what I mean? Like, are you, do you want to play right. that out? You know what I, mean? I have friends that I, that I know for a fact don't. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then what do you, like, why not? Well, you know? I mean, like, and that's what I think, and I think like, you know, to open up this can of worms and I'm like, I think that's the difference between the people that you go when you know that you love it and it's what you want to do. It's because I go, like, right, you watch that movie and you go, wow, what an amazing story. I loved going on that journey for this brief moment in time. It's why we have the arts. It's why we, mm-hmm. you know, we read, we watch, we this and that, we go to the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, you know, I, I got to go on that journey with this character. But then for us as performers, there's the other side of that coin of going, I want to be a part of that. You know, and I'm like, I think that's the thing that, that I very, yeah, you're like, I want to be a part of it. Oh, I want to tell that journey. Oh, I wonder if, oh, how would I have done that scene? What are the things, you know, and you're, in your mind begins to race like that. And it's just kind of, I'm like, that's so um, default for me. That's just so the natural reaction that it's, I actually, I'm kind of curious for some of my non-performer friends. I'm like, do you ever have that thought? Is that like, is that something in you that, right? you know, you're missing out on? But I think that's how you know then I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to be a performer because every time that you watch any sort of content, your your mind's going down that path. Right. So ding, 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 Tim is an actor yes. among many things or are you so are you focused on acting? I go actor. You know, when That's people great. and I'm like, if if you're gonna if you have to be doing some other side job in the meantime to make it to make it all work, even if it's if it's modeling or voiceover or whatever, right, right. I go and I'm like, what's your when the, you introduce yourself, you go, I'm an actor. I love it. You know it's so bold because it's like I feel like we're in the Instagram generation of like actor slash producer slash yeah. 
It's like, are, okay. Yeah. And, are and, you though? Like, but, are you but all even, those things? But even, but even with that, man, it's, it's that thing of, I think there's a difference between the people that go, um, I mean, we were, we were just talking about how you guys are like, oh, you know, we want to get in production. We want to do stuff. And I'm like, right. You're still an artist though. Like that's your core thing. You're not just trying to be famous. You're not just trying to be, you know, you're not, I think there's people that I'm like, you've got a clear vision and you, and you, you wear multiple hats within that vision. And then there's other people that I'm like, you're just lost and you don't know what you're doing and you're, you're wearing too many different hats. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and you're, you're, you're mixed up. And I'm like, it's, it's hard to describe, but I, I have a, I have a very good friend of mine who he has gotten into writing. Um, and he, we were working out and he was telling me, he was like, Tim, I'm, I'm so, um, you know, he was self-conscious about it. He was beating himself up because he's like, I haven't uh, done the acting thing in so long. And I was, you know, his name's Brandon. I was like, Brandon, but you're writing a movie and it's actually getting traction. I was like, you are still an artist, man. And yes. you are you might happen to be on this side of the table right. at this point in time, right. but you are still within that world. And I think other artists sort of see that and can have that filter and read that in other people in where I'm like, you're an artist, you know, and, and I get, and like, Oh, right now you're doing the writing thing right now. You're doing the producing thing. Like for you guys, you know, you're still artists and you're going, right. We're just trying to bring other people together. And I'm like, that's still in the world. Uh, I have a lot of friends who, um, who uh, dancers that they turn to the choreographer thing and they're like, I feel weird. Like I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, that's what, that's still your world. You're still a dancer. Yeah. You're just wearing the choreographer hat. And then yeah. one day you might be wearing the yeah. director hat, you know? It also makes sense when you think about what what's like the first thing that's going to draw someone in to the entertainment world, because that's what we're talking about, is, mm-hmm. well, you go to the movies. Yeah. You see the actors. Okay, so that's the first mm-hmm. interaction you have is that side of the table. Yeah. It's the, the performers. But maybe if you were, t- if you took a trip as a kid to Hollywood Studios, and you were just driving around and looking at sets and watching people build sets, maybe yeah. you would grow up thinking, "Oh, I want to build sets. I want to build the worlds for the actors." Yeah. it just depends on circumstance. Yeah, so and for I'm like, me, going to the cheap seats in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that's where I go. Like, and I go, those boom, people. This is it? Yeah, but I go, and those people, they're still they're in our world. They're artists, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like, the technical director, it's magic what you see what these people do with sets and with lighting and yes. with sound. And yes. I'm like, you are still artists. You are still within within that world. And there's that level of camaraderie versus it's just kind of, I like raise an eyebrow when people, you ask them like what they do. And like the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like their side hustle or something like that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but aren't you an artist? Like, isn't that, shouldn't that be your core? Like you're an artist first and that, that other stuff is you're like, Oh yeah, well I, I bartend on the side, but I'm just bartending to bide my time because I'm an actor and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah. For, you know, I think there's a gigs. fine line, especially in this city because the side hustles quote unquote. Yeah. I think they're just hustles. Uh, like, cause they're just what we do to do the things that we also want to do or the things we really want to do. Yeah. So they're not side hustles cause without them, we wouldn't be able to do anything. So right. they're not, we need to stop marginalizing them, but that's it's also such, like and that's, the, the line is between like, what did you come here to do and what is most of your time being taken up by? Because yeah. if you are only bartending, if you are getting lost in those hustles, 
then are you an artist? Because are you doing? Are you making art? And that is one of those things that I just think is the like the black hole of what it is that we do that can just yeah. be so. And I'm like, I don't. This is just me being like, I. It's just it is what it is. I have no answer for that, and it's just so hard. And it's sometimes like I've got. I mean, I feel like we all could run off lists of people that it's like you. It's that that side job. All of a sudden, it becomes a you start getting a little bit better hours. The pay starts to go up mm-hmm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You kind of, right. it gives you a slightly more comfortable lifestyle. So you're like, all right, well now I've got this like baseline level of, and I don't want to say comfort, stability, but you've got a baseline level of stability. And that becomes something that's so scary to walk away from. And then all of a sudden, just the, how, what, you know, whether it's theater, you know, films, the singing, songwriting, whatever it is, the, the artist stuff, just becomes fewer and fewer and fewer and then all of a sudden uh, you know a few weeks turn into months months turn into years and then you're like I haven't auditioned in weeks or months and it's like it just kind of evaporates and it just it breaks my heart and I have so many friends from college that I'm like you're you were more talented than I am you are more talented than I am and it's just dissolved okay so you've obviously thought about this Mm -hmm. so what did it look like from the time that that you know you saw Aladdin to where yeah. you are now. What's your journey kind of looked like? I mean, it was so it was a big thing for me was the you know singing in church choirs and doing the school shows. Um, I tell people I was unbelievably lucky with where I went to the same middle and high school, so it was like like feeder program six through twelve um, to a place that really, really allowed their students to get into all the stuff that they wanted to do between academics, the performing arts, sports. Um, I got to sort of sample everything. And they really allowed me to embrace the performing arts thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't plan on studying it when I went to college. I sort of made the commitment to go, you know, the bio pre-med doctor route, um, and then sort of at that 11 o'clock hour had that change of heart um, and then being away from it for a year, uh, my freshman year at school, it was that thing. I'm like, I, I actually can't live without this. And I think there's there's that thing of that I, I go, if you don't try it, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. If you go for it and fail, you'll know. If it crashes and burns, okay, you'll know. You can move on. But I was like, it will sincerely eat you up for the rest of your life if you don't give it a try. Looked into schools, looked into, you know, transfer, just trying to find schools, had a music theater program, had no idea what I was doing at the time. Um, I had only done the shows at my middle and high school, so I was like, I didn't know that there was like a world of um, sort of... uh, collaborative things or just like summer programs where kids from multiple schools would perform. I was like, no, it's just kind of, you do your school stuff. So going into as a transfer sophomore year, I mean, I just like, I couldn't even, I, the, the big schools that are, that are good now, I couldn't even name them to you. I would have, you know, you Mich like university of Michigan. I would have been like, I, I don't know anything Sorry, about them aside from, aside from I'm like, Oh yeah, they've got a good football team. And you're like, yeah. no, I mean like really that ignorant. And I would probably say like I knew of <laughs> Carnegie Mellon, but I wouldn't know what schools had a good music theater program. Sure. Um, so kind of like stumbled my, my way through that. There is found, a lot to know. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, it was, and so that's, I mean, I tell 
kids now that are asking me for advice on stuff. And I go, you already, the fact that you're asking these questions, you're already light years ahead of where I was at your age. So let that be a point of encouragement. Um, But then, and then things just kind of began to evolve. And then you start working some places professionally in college and then started working in the DC area and then started climbing the ranks through there and then started auditioning in New York, landed a couple of national tours, saved up some money to move to New York and build that network of, Hey, let's actually try to go and, and compete there. But, um, I mean, again, just that, that thing of like, how do you find that balance? Like what's the, you know, like how did your your journey to getting to be here? And it's it's I think it's just that thing of you would just I knew I would regret it for the rest of my life if I didn't try to commit to it and yeah. go to New York and just to just try to go to New York and see what could happen. And I've had some very mild success within that world, but it's kind of like it's been enough breadcrumbs to 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 keep me going on stuff to you know breadcrumbs of curiosity and success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and this is when you were in D.C., you were like, I got to go big, go home. Yeah, well, I mean, it just, it began, um, I, there was this this one uh, actress, Natasha Diaz, um, that I credit for, like, planting the seed in my mind, and um, and she, you know, she told me, she was like, you got to try to just stop understudying places, and if you know the type of stuff that you want to do, go after the roles, go after roles, if they're at less prestigious places, you know, you're getting paid stipends or not getting paid or something like that. And she's like, but go do roles where you will get reviews and get press um, Hmm. because there'll be non-union theaters that get the same press and exposure that these big union houses in DC will do. And there was a, there was a time with the Helen Hayes awards where, um, which is sort of like the, the Tony awards of the DC area where these non-union shows were competing for best musical or something against these union shows. And they actually in the past, uh, few years had to divide that because there's this discrepancy but Natasha she was like if you're the lead at this non-union theater and you do an ama- and you do amazing work you can beat out the people at these big union houses that are getting paid way more and that was happening wow. and so she's like you know use like go go where you'll get the beat most beat out press. in terms of exposure or yes, pay I- I- exposure because okay, she was okay. like if you win you know, a Helen Hayes award over all these big equity houses for this production or this performance, that's going to put the spotlight and magnifying glass on you. Um, and then I had a professor in college who my voice teacher at the time where he told me he was, um, cause another one of like coming from DC and I don't know if this is true for other people, um, in other places, other big theater towns, like in Boston or anything like that. But like New York just, it just seemed like this terrifying next level type thing. Um, and there's that thing of people they are like, well, do I just immediately graduate and then try to go run off to New York? Like, should I Mm -hmm. buy some time? Should I try to like get some traction? And my voice teacher at the time, he said, he was like, when you find yourself auditioning more in New York than you do in DC, that's when you should make the move and don't, don't just go run off there. And he's like, but you know, try to do a couple non-union tours, get that, see what it's like. And then when you find that you're actually like, oh man, I'm actually, I'm the frequency in which I'm auditioning now, I'm doing it more to New York. So instead of having to take the mega bus back and forth for four or five hours every single time, maybe that should be your transplant and then start coming down to DC for those exception things. So was there ever a time when you were in DC wanting to be in New York? 
And you you were like, to keep it patient, keep it calm. I, I remember talking actually with one of my buddies, uh, two of my buddies, uh, Sam Edgerly and, and Austin Colby, um, and we were doing Spring Awakening at uh, Only Theater. And they're both unbelievably talented dudes. Like, you know, Sam has already made a Broadway debut with Jersey Boys. Aust- uh, sorry, uh, Sam was in um, uh, Bronx Tale. And Austin's currently in Jersey Boys. And they're both, like, unbelievably talented guys. And I just remember, like, talking with them and being like, well, sh- should we, like, what, you know, what if we start auditioning to, to, to New York? And, oh, well, like, look at these things. Like, would you want to get on a bus and, like, go up at the, at the same time and, like, go to this open call for something like that? And sort of having that, it, like, that courage to actually like make that trip up there. Um, cause there's, it, it's weird. There's this, uh, there's this weird stigma and intimidation about being like, Oh, well, like this is familiar. This is home. And the, and the DC theater is incredibly competitive and the people there are unbelievably talented and can perform anywhere. But there's like, I don't, it's, it was scary at least coming out of it at college. It's like New York just seems scary and intimidating. And, like literally being like, well, you want to go with me to like, maybe like just give it a try. Cause yeah. you kind of begin yeah. to get curious and you're like, well, what's that other world? What's that? What's the, like? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like what's, 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 what's that like? So, yeah. but okay. that was, I mean, literally I can like pin it on that show or the first idea of being like, I think I'm going to audition for something in New York. So that's big. Yeah. So let's rewind. And what was your first moment where you wanted to taste something new where you weren't just doing the school shows in DC. I think it was it was seeing your classmates doing it, um, doing it professionally. Yeah, doing it professionally because okay. I um, because DC again being such a great theater town, and I went to Catholic University, and that was that's in DC proper. Um, that I had friends, classmates, um, uh, and some some upperclassmen and stuff that were understudying. Uh, or being the swings for local shows, which sort of meant you didn't have the uh, everyday commitment. You had to be on call. Um, So it kind of made things a little bit more flexible. The woman who was the head of our department at the time had a great working relationship with this one theater. Um, And then the the gentleman who was my voice teacher, he had a good relationship with um, a great non-union, it's still there, uh, non-union dinner theater. So you began to see some of your friends start working professionally and when you're in this the school system you're like you know chomping at the bit to get out there and just do the thing and get your gen eds over with and you're like why do i why do i need to be taking this like you know math course on something when you're like i'm trying to you know not that there's not math in in art but i'm just going you're like you're like what am i you're like (laughs) it's just kind of this thing of you're like you're like i would love to be using this time to be going home and memorizing right (laughs) now rather than having to write this paper about was like you know the use of the atomic bombs you know justified or not yeah let's discuss the nature of evil yes exactly and it was a catholic school so we did have the religious courses in this and that but right um so it getting to see getting to see people like sort of getting to see your peers do the thing that you're like okay if if so and so and so and so can do it i think i can i think i can do it i can it is possible it is it sort of pulls the like the curtain back it kind of removes yeah. some of the mystique about making yeah. that jump from the student the amateur to the the pro to actually right. start right. getting a paycheck for it I mean, I think it's awesome that you could gr- that you grew up with friends that were also examples 
of like a practical way to do yeah. this. And and they were doing it with you. Yeah. And then you saw a time where they transitioned into the next step. Yeah. And so you could see that that was possible. Not everyone has that. You and know? that's, I mean, that's, and look, everybody will tell you different stuff, but it's, it's one of the things that I tell prospective students that based off my experience mm-hmm. that I thought was so valuable was actually going to a school where the, that there is a theater or, you know, film, there is an arts scene because the professors that you're working with are doing so the guest directors are working in that region. And so you build those connections, you build those relationships, you get that experience, you get that intro professional touch rather than it just being a great program in the middle of nowhere or something like that. But I can't, you know, defend that. I didn't go to a school like that. So, you know, who knows, but I just can, I can say that going to school in a great theater town set me up with a lot of wonderful relationships upon graduation. So even with someone like you, who's taken very practical steps and sitting across from me right now is very striking. You look great. (laughs) You talk great. You look great too. Well, thanks man. But it doesn't surprise me that you are doing what you're doing, right? And just hearing what you've done makes me excited for what I can continue to watch you do, right? thank you, man. No, yeah, and it's awesome. So even with someone like that, it's kind of like a risk. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a gamble to set your sights on this as a profession. Mm -hmm. So for someone who is in a city right now that's not D.C., but they're watching movies and thinking about New York and mm-hmm. LA, or maybe they're thinking about DC because yeah. they're close to DC. Like, what would you say is smart to do? Like, let's picture a kid who's just maybe his parents are supportive, maybe their their parents aren't supportive, but cool. they they want to. That's a whole. I mean, that's not, a whole other not having part. a supportive family, man. I don't know how people do that because do it. it's just right. it's to have that like initial baseline thing not there and I've seen it with friends and I mean it's like what I told you that I was like I had friends and I'm like you are vastly more talented than I am but you didn't have supportive parents you didn't have cheerleaders and that just it just destroys interesting how some people though some people just need cheerleaders some people can swim upstream it doesn't matter oh they can there are certain people that need even if it's not your parents they need adult friends in their life to like cheer them on and i just go at at that collegiate level right in that turn between going from amateur to pro yeah if you have an emotional support system yeah i think people can endure almost anything wow you can have the financial stability, but if you don't have the emotional support system, you'll still fail because this industry is just so full of rejection and you just need those people to look you in the eye and go, just ride this one out, you'll be okay. Hmm. And when you turn to your you know, your parents, biological or figurative, whoever they are, when you turn to your parental figures, your guardians, your 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 guard your guides and they go what are you doing with your life you're never going to make it that's just it just pulls the i mean and i go that's and i've seen it with my friends and they go and they're not in the industry anymore right does that make you sad yes because they're more talented than i am 
hands down. Are they I happy mean, objectively, doing whatever they're doing. Probably, I, I I don't know, but I'm gonna go no because I saw <laughs> you as a performer. Yeah. I saw how you would light up on the stage. Sure. You didn't make it. You're not that good because you didn't love it. I know you loved it. But you're making decent money now. That's cool. Like I, so this you kind of answered my question. I was going to ask you for someone who's in a different city than us, right. if they're hearing this, thinking, "What do I do? Do I do I move to New York? If whether or not they have the money, and mm-hmm. do I just make it work and then?" try to find the acting scene or should they move here for a school or a program first and then figure out the finances after that, what would you say to someone who's in a pickle? I would, so again, this is this, you know, everybody's got their own experience within things, but I go, if you can find a way to make it work, go for it. And I go, that doesn't necessarily mean, um, I mean, there's the old, you know, burn the ships metaphor for they're like, if you want to take the island, burn the ships. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) I get that. That's, that's great. And I, and I, and I love the intensity, but (laughs) there's also that thing of, you can still do that. You can still burn your ships, but you can also have a smart approach about how you want to do it. I'm like, if you want to think about it, it's all. I'm like, you know, if you really want to make that commitment, put feelers out there, see who you know, that knows people in, in New York, See if you can, uh, you know, couch surf for a little bit. Start setting up, even if it's not like the craziest, best thing. Get yourself just a a, a normal job there. Get get yourself a part time job, you know, so that when you show up, you're not totally, you know, overwhelmed by stuff. So I'm like, just set that up, and then keep that artist thing though going in the back of your mind. So I'm like, just get your roots, get stable, get you know. Find to find that that somewhat stability. It doesn't mean that you're going to be living the you know baller New York lifestyle. I'm like just get by. If that means that you gotta you gotta sublet that you gotta be like sleeping on a sofa or something like that. Eat ramen every night. Yeah, I'm like do the things that you gotta do to to make it work. But again, it's just that thing of not wanting to live with regret. That I yes, go yes. I go. I, I try to, and when I have those major decisions in life, like when you come to those crossroad things, that thing that I go, the, where I try to, the side that I try to err on is that I go, will you regret this if you don't do it? And if I go, yeah, I'll regret it, then I'm like, then you got to do you it. You got to do it. Yeah. And I go, it, it makes me sleep easy at night. And I go, if it yes. crashes and burns, that's fine, and yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But if I go the rest of my life never knowing, man, what if I did go to New York? That would eat me up inside. But if you go out and you're like, yeah, I tried it, and it was a lot hard. You know, I realized I loved, um, you know, I loved the performance aspect. I didn't love the grind. And I'm like, then do the theater, do the community theater thing. Do sketches with your friends. Come up with your own. There's plenty of stuff that you can do within a non-competitive environment to still scratch that artist itch 100%. within you. But you'll know. You'll know, and you will sleep easy at night. Yeah. But I'm like, it just... That's great. You know, I think that there are the people that do the crazy things, and they they find their sanity. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that 
with withhold from doing the crazy things they want to do and they drive themselves insane. Yeah. And I think that it's really great to see that. But it's weird because I've had a lot of teachers, a lot of directors in my time, in my career, my my journey, whatever it is you want to call it, say, if you can find anything else that sparks even the smallest flame, like do that. What do you what do you say to that? I agree with it one hundred percent. And I I quote uh, Norm Lewis. He said the exact same thing. He came and taught a master class um, at my school, and I, as a baritone, have just massive hero worship for for him. <laughs> and he like he knew the woman who was the head of her department and this and that. And he said the exact same thing. He was like, "If there's anything, because we're all a bunch of prospective students," he, and he said. If there's anything else that you could see yourself doing, don't go down this road of being a performer because the rejections, those moments when it's when it's dark, when things aren't going well, there it's it's going to be so easy to find. Like you'll you'll be you'll be driving yourself crazy and stuff. But and that was and honest hearing him say that was a serious soul searching moment. Um, but again, I I go one of the the best things to happen to me was to have that year away from it properly my freshman year at college. Cause right. I, I was away from it and I realized I can't, I can't be away from it. Right. And then the, the other thing that I wanted to add onto for anybody out there listening that isn't in New York or just honestly, even just people that are worried about, making this journey as an artist and I go as an artist or literally anything else that it is that you want to do that you love. I just go, nothing is guaranteed. And there's this amazing, I forget what the school is, but Jim Carrey gives this commencement speech. And I literally send the YouTube link out to people that reach out to me, uh, on social media and stuff about being like, you know, like, what do you, what advice do you have? And it's one of the first things that I'll send out to people. Um, but Jim Carrey in this, in the speech, he talks about how his dad was actually really funny and thought about becoming a performer and comedian, but for the sake of his family took, you know, a safety, uh, desk job. I think it was an accountant or something like that, but his dad basically compromised and went for the good of my, you know, I'm going to take this responsible route and, and do the safe guaranteed thing. And then his dad got laid off wasn't because his dad was a bad worker. His dad didn't do anything irresponsibly. He, he did everything by the books. And then their family got completely, you know, just devastated by his dad losing his job. And it was a wake-up call to Jim Carrey where he was like, look at how my dad took what was supposed to be the safe guaranteed route, and it's not guaranteed. And I have, I mean, I was one of the, one of the people that, uh, one of the wisest things that I did at a young age was going, you don't have the fire to be a physician, right? You get the lifestyle, you grew up with physician parents, you love the idea of helping people, you love the idea of surgery. I mean, I really like, uh, the, the thought of becoming a surgeon seemed very appealing, but I was like, you don't love that world enough to study organic chemistry at two and three in the morning to cram before an exam, Right. And I was like, but you do for lines. Yes, find you do that for thing you do you do for you shows. Stay up till two a.m. for. And I go, uh, yeah. I, I the other thing I tell people is I go do the thing that 
that you don't watch the clock on. And I was yes. like, the two things that I never watched the clock on were, were lacrosse practice and rehearsals. Wow. And it was just time would fly by. We'd be getting to the end of the day and be like, let's just finish the scene. Can we, ah, we're almost done. Can we just, can we, let's just finish the scene. I'd be in AP bio, great teachers, great school, just watching the clock until it would get out so that I could leave. And I was like, that's not love. You don't love that. Lacrosse practice would finish and my friends and I, we would keep throwing around. Right. You know, and I'm like, do the stuff where you don't watch the clock, where time just flies by. It's all relative. And I was like, if that's, if you find yourself doing that with something, run with it because nothing, nothing is guaranteed. And I can't tell you how many people they, they think oh, I'm just going to take the conservative route, go become a lawyer, go become a doctor. And I'm like, do you know how hard that is? Do you know how many, again, how many friends I have that were going to become partners in law firms mm-hmm. and none of them even made it to passing the bar, let go going to law school. I'm like, it's too competitive to think that you're going to stick with it and you might be able to. And I don't know how many, stories of entrepreneurs and stuff that you find that they go, yeah, I was making money and my soul was dead on the inside and I quit and they were making six, seven figures and they're going, I quit. I, you won't last in that, you know, but if you, and then they go and then I found, I used that discipline that I found within a world that I loathe and I applied that discipline to a world that I love and they become billionaires. I mean, I mean, that's great. My whole thing is like, you said it yourself, nothing is promised. Mm-hmm. You could step outside of your apartment and slip on the last step, hit the back of your head, and anything could happen. Yeah. So why would you not do, why would you not do what you love? Why would you not wake up to do the things that you love? I go, so if you can fail. And it's scary, yeah, but if, also staying safe, playing by the book, and then getting struck by lightning but, is also and scary. That's, and like that's the thing is that I go... Playing it safe is an illusion. Yes. Yes. It's just like it's not real. Playing yes. it safe isn't real. But it but to play it dangerous is real. That's go, what's weird. And I'm like, there's no safe, but there's definitely a dangerous. And I'm like, so it's worth it. So basically, you know, like the 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 moral of the story with like the, the Jim Carrey commencement speech was that he was like, Look, if if nothing is guaranteed, why not at least fail at what you love? Why not fail at what you love doing? And that just resonated. And luckily, I was already be I had already sort of turned the corner and committed to it. But that was such a wonderful reaffirmation and a great, honest three minute clip that I can send when people like you know students and stuff reach out to me. That I'm like, just watch this. There's nothing like don't like I get it, and you want to take the safe road, but even the people that have the safe road, they get laid off because of company cuts. I know, you know, grown people that all of a sudden their retirement is just pulled out from underneath them at age 55 and 60. And they're going, I'm not going to be able to stop working. Right. Because you got your company laid you off. And I was like, you've just spent the past 30 years of your life dedicating yourself to something. And you can't get it back. That's the danger and regret, too, is it's looking back on the past to something that you can't get back. You can't you can't change it, you know. You can't go back there and get those 30 years back, or even if it's two years of sitting on an impulse. Yeah. You can't get those two years back. No. And so if you're thinking about those two years or those 30 years, you're not where you are now. You're not present and that's heartbreaking. now. So it's, it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I see a lot of struggling. I know a lot of struggling actors, like truly struggling, that are happier doing that. There is this. I mean, I, I talk about it. Are we allowed to curse on this? Yes. Um, Hell yeah. I use. 
uh, I was like the the subtle art of not giving a fuck, yeah. and th- 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 just like there's this like to spark note some moments in that book that resonated with me was that thing of we can either suffer the pain like that no matter what life is suffering and you have to suffer pain that is life it is painful however you can suffer the pain of regret or you can suffer the pain of discipline and if you have purpose you can truly endure anything and that's what I go back to of that if you have parents and you have the if you have a support system if you have an emotional support system you can make it as an artist when i see people whose parents just completely tear them down i'm like you could have all the financial backing in the world and i was like it's you're not you're gonna have to find a different group of people or you're not gonna make it but he talks about in that book he cites these examples of people that um they have they have a sense of purpose and what they're willing to endure is absolutely insane it would kill a normal person but they have this i mean he talks about the the soldiers um and the 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 one soldier in particular that endures in the uh is hiding out in islands in the south pacific during world war ii and doesn't know that world war ii has ended and it's like it's crazy and like the dude lasted he was doing guerrilla warfare years for like four decades until literally some and like they sent (laughs) <laughs> like Malit, they sent armies out to find him because he was still doing guerrilla warfare, and he thought that the he thought that it was a trap. He thought that they were lies because yeah. he was like, "No, I have not had a, a commanding officer come and tell me that the war is over." So I think that this is all some sort of espionage act. And uh, he finally, then like, it's literally some random dude takes it upon himself to find him and like finds him in like three days in the wilderness tells him, brings him back, he gets all these honors, like this and that, and they're like, you, you know, it's inc- it's incredible what you did. And I mean, the dude, you're like eating rats, you're off the grid for that many decades. He comes back and then basically kind of discovers that the J- the Japanese empire that he was fighting for basically no longer exists. Moved to Brazil, didn't even stay in Japan, like moved to Brazil, died within a few years. And it's like, he just, he lost his sense of purpose. Man. But when you have that sense of purpose, I mean, whatever movie, amazing, incredible story that we want to talk about, it's the people that have that drive, that sense of purpose, and you see the incredible things that people are able to endure. Now, let's just backpedal a bit and go, right, and so if you as an artist have that purpose, yeah. you know, you can probably handle some of the stuff that New York throws at you. Yeah. But, it's, but again... It's like you need that emotional support system. And when you have, you know, with friends, with, you know, your other actors, with your family, that's just so important. And I don't, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't, if I didn't have that. Well, now that you do have it, it seems like you do. Mm-hmm. And now that you do have success within this field, what could you say to someone who doesn't have that emotional support? What are some things that just just practically as an actor that you could give to for people to put in their toolkit? That's where I go. I was I was just talking to a young actress friend of mine, and I'm like, turn to the modern philosophers of our time, and go onto YouTube. They all have YouTube channels. Check, listen to some of Tony Robbins' stuff. Look at um, Gary V's YouTube channel. Look at Mel Robbins. Look at Jocko Willenick. Look at look at Brene Brown read some of these people's things. And the wonderful thing about the world of YouTube is that you watch one person's video, up oh, they pop up 
the you know similar videos pop up on the right yes, hand side. Yes. And you go down that rot rabbit hole and you start to recognize the names. And I go, and they all of all of those like top inspirational speakers and, and motivational yeah. speakers. And I know that sounds cheesy, but I'm like, you know, life coach, whatever you want to say. And I'm it's like, definitely not cheesy. This, I mean, this is this podcast is part of the reason I'm doing that. And I go because we can build a community digitally now. And so to those people that feel like they don't have that community, I go, go online, Make it. see their find, find the people that you connect with. And there's yeah. definitely some of these. And I call them the modern philosophers because they give they give you that inspiration and that drive and just hear how they word things. Then you go, wow, look, I really connect with how Tony Robbins words yes. things. And, you know, everybody, you know, I get one of my, Will Smith, one of my favorite things is he's ever, he's a huge inspiration. One of the thing, one of my favorite things that he's ever said was he goes, read and run. There is no problem that you are going through that somebody else has not gone through before you and has not written it down and has a solution for you in a book somewhere. And then run because you got to keep your body and your mind, and sh- you you got to keep yourself physically disciplined. And he's like, you it's do. the simplest thing that you can do. So this is a perfect segue because obviously you work out, and I I love to keep myself active in many different ways as well. Um, and I was going to draw a lot of parallels between things you were saying and yeah. things that I'm doing, but yeah. I'm just kind of curious because we can we can dip back into the acting pool, but. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about like what do you do to keep yourself physically active as an actor, but also yeah. just as Tim. Like, what are some things that you do? Because you look like a beast. Um, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate the plug. Yeah. Um, it, uh, you know, so now I've I've uh, formally drink the CrossFit uh, the CrossFit Kool Aid. Um, oh but, yes, yes. But it, uh, it, it's a it's a twofold thing, right? Where you know it's I do the stuff and I like the physical activity because mm-hmm. it makes me feel better. And I, I had this moment um, to, in, in the workout this morning, grueling, intense, long, you know, chipper of a workout. And midway through, and I was like, I was smiling. And I was like, this is, <laughs> I love, like, this is, what do you do? And you get that. And again, that wanting to be the teenage, the, the teenage mutant ninja yeah. turtle where you're going, all right, like imagine if you had to pick this thing up. Like put yourself in that movie scenario where you had to like where you had to do that thing. Yes, like the scene. yes. And you begin to, you know, yeah. you get to you go to the gym, you get to like play action hero and you do that yep. stuff. And it's I think it's, it makes your workout better. And I go, if you bring that sense of play into the workout, and one of the things that I've loved about the 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 CrossFit thing is it opened up all these other little skills and things of going, oh, let me let me try to get better at that. Yes. And it's like yes. it, it's like if you think about the working out as a bunch of mini games, and I was like, like, oh, now I'm just going to try to get a high score on this skill and this skill and this yeah. skill. And I'm like, it's just like a, it's like playing an RPG within fitness. Right. And then all, once you get to a certain level of, of being engaged consistently with physical activity, it does seem to serve some sort of a higher purpose. Like yeah. It's serving one machine. Yeah. No pun intended because your body is, you know, it acts yeah. as a machine, but it's, it's more than just the body. It's like what you do when you're sweating and, really grueling it out, it serves everything else. And I, I don't know who to accredit this quote to, but I think a lot of people say it. I know Joe Rogan has said it, but he's like, where the body goes, the mind will follow. And mm. it's one of those things that to, to people that are struggling with depression, um, 
in, in any sort of way and just, or feeling lost and this and that, I go just develop a workout program because, <laughs> and I go, just, just go to the gym. Yeah. Just, just, just go move. And th- there really is something about, I mean, we can biologically back this up between the endorphin release, the this and that, the, the body chemistry that goes on, goes on and the sense of it, uh, accomplishment that comes with that. But it, when you just begin to build that level of discipline, and if you just you get the body right, the mind will follow in 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 the other areas of life. Um, but then there's also the professional side of things where you go, okay, you know that there's a level of that you do things that it makes you feel good and it's fun and you love that level of engagement where you still just. I'm a kid that needs my how many minutes of recess every day because right. otherwise my mind goes crazy. Right. Um, but then there's the other level of where you go, okay, I know what types of roles I want to play. I know what people's expectations are visually of the types of roles that I want to play. And from a very practical side, you go, right, we are in a visual medium uh, uh, as, a, as a performer. Um, and I go, people expect such and such character to look like such and such. Right. And has that limited you or challenged you? Uh, both, but I go that thing of knowing what you want to do and being okay with that. And I go, it's, you know, I realize that it might take you out of the running for other roles, but I go, I like playing these. It's what makes oh, me yeah. happy. Yeah. You know, I can sincerely look somebody in the eye and go, yep, this makes this is me comfortable in my skin, um, and so then there's the stuff where you get okay, and then you you dial it in with the nutrition, and then you 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 really dial it in with the training, and you know because and then if you don't do it, there's somebody else that will. There's somebody that there's somebody that's going to be out there yeah. to willing to outwork you on it, and so there's that that extra level of refinement um, that it takes when you're going, you know, for wanting to play certain roles. But I'm like, you know, you look at the Marvel cinematic universe and I'm like, those guys have, they've changed the game. You look at what, aside from, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger after them, there was like, well, there's kind of that lull period. And then the Marvel cinematic universe came about, came around. You're like, and the age of the action hero is back, you know? And I'm like, those, those guys are, they're like walking Adonises. They're monsters. And I love how they have someone feeding them exactly what they need at exactly the right time. Yeah. Have you ever had to um, build up or build down for a oh, man? I remember for for Gaston. Yeah. I just I like found out they're like, well, you're just like you're wearing this tunic and like you've got these basically like black juicy couture pants. Um, <laughs> and so I just basically, and I was on the road. And so you're not getting, and it was you know a non-union tour, so the your eating schedule is all over the map, and so basically what are just your eating choices like uh, Domino's, it just okay. and so it's just <laughs> it would like I would gains. I mean easily easily I mean I could eat a large triple chicken pizza every single night and then at lunch and it just it became this thing of I was like just don't shrink you just need huge right you right. just need to be stay big, big stay for, big yeah so it was just eating everything under the the sun what number were you at I think the heaviest that I'd ever gotten was up to 195 pounds it was something like that oh, and I was like that's eat like just yeah I but can't it's, really I mean, imagine cuz I can see your back right now yeah. I can see your back with you facing me 
But once you get that big, it's like I mean, where do your arms go? But it's but know? it wasn't, and it was it was there was a lot of garbage weight that was in that. I was like, you yeah. were you were you know. I put on what was it forty forty pounds? I got up to one ninety. Yeah, for a view from the bridge. For some reason, okay. I was Eddie Carbone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but I for me, it it was unjustifiable to not put on some weight for that role. Yeah, and so when I got up to Tech Week. It that's when it dawned on me. It's like, oh, I have to maintain. Yeah. And so I got to that point where I was like, I wasn't eating Domino's, but it was like I was eating anything I had to but, and to stay up there. There's something to that, though, that like going back to that, the earlier point of that, where the body goes, the mind will, the mind will follow. When you show up for rehearsal and yeah. you know that you've been physically prepping and even if it's just i mean sometimes i talk about um there's the show all shook up um that i've been fortunate enough to do a few times and it oh, is cool. so incredibly aerobic the whole thing from start to finish and i go it's not a size thing or anything like that and i was like but you have to have a good cardiovascular capacity and so i'm like when you show up on that first yes. day and you go i've been training to sing this role, yeah, that there's a psychological confidence that comes in, yeah, and then I go that when you show up, that you're going, I've been prepping for this, my I have been, fi- I am physically Ooh. ready to be doing this, and to just know like I've been putting in that level of work before beyond just memorizing the lines, beyond just learning your melody. I mean, it's I've been prepping my my heart to do this role, yes. Flawlessly to go to battle. Yeah, I'm going to battle. You know, right to, to to because to to just show up and to not have those deficiencies because it's so. I mean, you're sprinting all over the stage while singing in. Yeah, and I'm like, you see that with some of these performers, and I was like, I mean, the the people that are on Broadway and stuff, I'm like, they are athletes. They athletes, are athletes, athletes for sure. The the people doing those roles yeah. that we're talking about because yeah. there are also people that paid to basically do opera. You know, an opera. Yeah, true. Stand true. Post sing. Yeah. Exit. Yeah, but that's not what it doesn't look like. That's what you're about. No, but there's, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of the fit. athleticism in the the theater is what drew me to it in the first place. I really? was doing sports, and I was a very strong sixth man in basketball, and like right. I was dabbling over here, over there. But I remember seeing uh, my now wife in Thoroughly Modern Millie, and there was tapping, you know, and there was dancing and pyramids, and I was like, what? Whoa! I could I, I could be the sixth man and do sports, or I could do sports on the stage and be my own man. Yeah, I'm part of I'm my own team, but I'm part of a bigger team, which is the cast. But I'm my own character, and there's no one else who's that character. Yeah, it's not I'm not I'm not, I'm not the fifth man on the court. That's it's your it's starting like, it's your starting position. It's your starting position, and, and that's I think where the phrase "no small parts" comes in. Yeah, so I I got that something clicked. And I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah, I can. I can bring this competitive athleticism. Like, every to NFL stage. team needs a long snapper. You know, <laughs> it's like you, we need that guy. Yeah. We need. It's like you've yeah. got that. We need a kicker, right? You right, need. A, right, you right. need a placeholder. Right. You know, you've got that, and I'm like, you can't. Like, you need those spots. You know, yeah. like we need. We need those persons for. I mean, I love that you brought up Thoroughly Modern Millie because I was going to say one of the like prime examples of like Sutton Foster being someone that I'm like, you see her do these Man. just insane 
dance numbers. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it, the interlude in the song, they do this insane dance number, and then she just jumps right back into singing and doing this stuff, and you sound flawless. And I'm like, you've just like, been... Excuse me? You've just been, like, dancing your ass you off. You said high for, intense or yeah. intensive... Or what is it? High, hit? Yeah. High intensity... Interval training? Interval training? High intensity interval training? In, intensity, not intensive. Yeah. I just did a high intensity interval training class right before we did this podcast. Oh, where'd you go? Fitting room. Oh, oh. Oh, they're great. They're crazy, man. I actually had a blast. Yeah. And I was modifying a little bit because I, I'm going to jujitsu tomorrow, so I didn't want to blast myself oh, out. Oh, you do jujitsu? I do. One of the guys in uh, Ever After, a shout out to Jonathan Shu. He's a big uh, Brazilian jujitsu guy. Yes. Yeah. Brazil, I do Brazilian jujitsu. He's as a well. brown belt. I could be wrong. Oof. Second level, second highest Dangerous. level. I think that's it. It's, yeah. Okay. He has one more. One He's more lethal. Belt. He's lethal. Hey, lethal, yeah, lethal. Jonathan could break your arm without you even knowing what happened. We we went out to the mats <laughs> and we like sparred. Uh, like one day, um, he was like, "Oh, like if you want to come out," and it was like really, you know, it was like nice bro date and like this and that. And it just very quickly became. It was like a father playing with their toddler. Yeah, like yeah. it just like it's like, kind of showing you what's possible. I was like, but. I was like and, you know, like I'm a like I'm a fit, healthy dude, and I was like, it's just toying toying with you it feels alien yeah yeah it's like, very weird i was like you're literally like a father toying around with their toddler on the mat yeah moving your body where they want it to go yeah it's it's very humbling because because even when you're not a complete stranger to it you feel like you're interacting with a different language like if i were to roll with jonathan yeah the, a white belt to a brown belt the the difference would be like it might as well be English it's, speaking to it's Spanish. The thing, and like the thing that I told him was the the rate in which you are processing these things uh-huh. is so much faster. And he'd be like, "You yeah. show me the stuff," and I'm like, "Okay, I can do what you're doing. You simply process it right. at a thousand times faster than I do, and you can implement it at every angle, at any different yeah. position." Because you can learn something standing up on two feet, but then when you take it to the ground and you're on your neck with yeah. 150 pounds of weight like crushing you down, it's like, wait, how do I do that again? Yeah. You're not even thinking about it. No. So it's great. It's fun. But yeah, so I went to fitting room. I did some high-intensity interval training, and it was. Um, it's always funny because it's like that's in many ways the best type of training to do, mm-hmm. especially for performative you know athletic performative roles and Mm -hmm. but just like the theater you can only be as good as you are willing to be bad you can only live as much as you're willing to die in those classes yeah like if you want to have a good workout you have to give yourself a good workout because you can modify to the point where at the end of class you're like oh no i'm fine actually like that didn't that didn't wear me out or you could see god in class if you wanted i mean it's just it's and like that that's i mean again it's one of those i think like within the fitness world like one of those things of it being just a great parallel for life and a, a great metaphor for life where i'm like you get out what you put in yeah it's just as as simple as that the you know if you yeah if you if you put in the effort it will show do you it, think that's true of the entertainment world yes hands down hands down what if you're like, you know, you have one eye and you had you have pox scars all over your face or something? Because other people have done it before, so read and you run. can too. You know, yeah. just read and run. Okay. And I go, I mean, Gary Vee was just 
he was like, I literally just like watched one of his one of his clips where he was talking about it, where he's like, if you can think of a single person that has done it, then it's possible. And I just and I, one of the things that that I that I, I talk to people about as as actors that they get super discouraged um, about not getting the success, right? It's it, sure. when you're when you're when you're feeling down yourself, and you know everybody wants to get paid more, right? Um, and so I, I use this example where I go you look at the things in a corporate world or in the medical world of what people do to be earning six-figure jobs, right? Six, seven-figure jobs. They are working 50, 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks, right? Right. And so when people are getting super discouraged and going, I just don't know what I have to do, a lot of times I just simply ask them, and I go, how many hours are you putting in a week towards your craft? And I go, uh, and I and I count uh, eating right, I count uh, working out, I count reading, yeah. uh, reading whether it's just philosophy to get to, to you know enhance your mind as an as a human to be a better actor, or if it's reading an acting book, if it's watching a movie to study it, if you're watching something to learn versus just watching Netflix to turn your brain off. There's a difference. And, right. act, and I think every, every actor knows the difference between when you're watching to learn and when you're watching to check out. And I go, <laughs> and I go going to see a show to study someone, yeah. that counts towards your, towards your hours. Yeah, yeah. And I go, but how many hours are you actually doing a week? And most of the time, they're, I mean, they're going, oh, I just, I wait for the phone to ring. Or, right. or, I go to an open call and I go, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's admirable. It's like, it's, it's this and that, but I'm, how wisely are you using your time? And a lot of times I think if people were to, to break it down and to look at it and I'm going like, you're not even putting in enough time to qualify for a part-time job towards the thing that you identify as your profession, you know? And I'm like, yeah. what was the last book you read about acting? And people and people just go <laughs> like, oh, well, you just learn by doing. And I'm like, you, but you're not doing it either, like because oh, you're not working. And I just, it's like I just go, how many hours have you put in towards your craft? Yeah. Even if it's just going and people watching, and I'm like, yeah, it's just. But I go because you're sitting there and you're going, oh, let me watch some, you know, anthropological behavior and social interactions with people, you know, whatever it is. But I just go, how many conscious conscious hours have yeah. you clocked towards your profession concentrated energy and i yeah. go so if you're not clocking 80 hours a week towards wanting to become an actor why yeah. do you think you need to be you deserve to be getting paid six seven figures when that's what it takes to be making that kind of money it's a good point I, like but the one thing i would say to like the the surgeons and the doctors the physicians the philosophers it's like well maybe not philosophers making so much money but lawyers mm-hmm. um that is like I see that as a very practical need. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see like art and like what you do, what we do, as a necessary thing. And that's why I think it is so beautiful and dangerous. But but and, what what do you think about that? And so that's where and like you know, I 
I love where your head's at because I'm at like I think that that's like a comment, and I think that's something that's good, that's gets thrown in our faces a lot, right? As it artists, it does, right, in a very negative is the, way. Is the like is the like well, are you really making the world a better place? And I go, the the last Avengers movie made two billion dollars. Look at all of the streaming services that we have for artists between Netflix, Hulu. Amazon Prime. I mean, it is one of the best times to be an actor, and especially yeah, an on. There is more content. The internet is making it the best time ever to be an artist. Now, with that, you know, everybody can get a YouTube channel. Everybody's got their right. SoundCloud thing, where the market can be incredibly saturated. But if you are willing to outwork those people, you will rise to the top. And when people say like art isn't necessary, and I'm like, then why is it a multi? billion dollar industry every single you i mean you look at even well, people video, spend money on things they don't need all the time and i just go the the, the entertainment world all of those people the, the irony being all those people that throw it in our faces about like well you know are you really contributing anything in the world then go home and watch netflix and I'm like, what? You're going home and you're checking out to the stuff that we provide you that yeah, escape with. It's definitely, yeah, I'm definitely not saying this to say that people don't like it or want it or desire it, but yeah. it's definitely not needed. Like, food is needed. And that's, food also happens to be one of the things that is needed that all people eat to an unnecessary extent Yeah, in both ways. They don't yeah. eat enough or they eat too much. But with art, like I could never see a musical in my life and still live a pretty fulfilled, healthy life. That's I, not the case with food or medicine. And I go, and that's where I feel like I I challenge it. And oh man, I wish I could remember Rhett's Rhett's story about it. But basically, um, my friend he gave. I mean he he gave this example of how he that basically it's it's the higher level thing between it's the higher level connection of what art provides. Because mm -hmm. I go, for you, if you don't jive with musicals, yeah, musicals aren't your thing. But music might do something for you. Film might do something for you. Books might do something for you. And that there's the thing about art that it provides is the human connection that we need as social creatures. And so there's a thing of air, food and water, shelter, right? But we also need a sense of community and tribe and connection to yes. other living creatures. Yeah. And I go, that's what art provides. And we can yeah. get it in other areas, but when art in whatever medium that it might be and how whatever medium that you get drawn to, it gives you that sense of connection. And I go, there's a reason why isolation is a form of torture mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, confinement mm -hmm. because it's what they're taking it away from people. And yeah. you can argue all you want yep. about it not being, that the effects of it not being so immediately apparent, but I go, it's what drives people crazy. There's something in us as creatures that as anim that animal you know, mindset that we need that connection and a book does that. Getting right. stories do that for us. Right. And we need storytellers. Yeah. And that's where we can I'll come just in let as the, the record state that I'm a hundred percent on the same page with you. I see these things clearly, but yeah. I think it's important to kind of play devil's advocate, but also have like some people 
who are listening hear this from someone who is chasing this yeah. and is successful in it to hear that because you have to you challenge these things every day. Yeah. Well, some people may just throw this in your face or that in your face, this argument, that argument. I think another thing that gets thrown in our faces as artists a lot is like, yeah, it's helpful. There is a sense of community, but it's so insular. And I'm like, well, no, because as you just said, like other people are engaging with this. And people, I've seen people that, um, some of my friends even that I mentioned earlier that can watch movies that but don't want to be in them. Yeah. I've seen those types of people in the theater in a show that I'm doing, and I know I've changed their life. I can see the moment, you know, or they come up to me after and they say something and I can feel that it's genuine. And they bring that to their field. They bring that to their workspace. Maybe the next day, if they're working the night shift, they bring it home that night. So to me, it's very fucking clear. And it's like, why are these questions still being asked? Why can't artists be seen and valued for what they are giving to society? And and we're not gods. We're not, you know, it's like there's nothing. You no. know, it's like it doesn't, but it's that thing of I'm like, but you got us. And like from a very practical business point of view, it's like, right. And there is a service that we provide. But for some people to not see the necessity of that service is where I just go, I don't know what it's going to take in your life to wake you up wake you up to that and i just right. go and i mean everything that we're saying and i just go if you don't see how art progresses civilization through the entirety of human history then just read a book man <laughs> i just go to a church yeah go to a yeah. cathedral you know if you do yeah. like or you're using your iphone that's <laughs> that came from creative like innovation the shape i mean it's like, just i'm like the you look at the 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 user experience of an iPhone, if you don't think that there is, is like a deeper level of artistry that's tapped right. into how that makes you feel. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, just, yeah. I don't know. Also, just you re- don't think there's one artist on that team? Yeah. Take the, all the artists oh, out of well, Apple? Well, like, I mean, you don't have an iPhone. Everybody uses the Steve Jobs. It was his calligraphy course that got him to start to, to think about, you know, he was going to graduate, and then he took this calligraphy course, and then it changed his mind about how literally the experience of working with a computer operating system doesn't have to be so horrible and that kickstarted what? apple as we know it Whoa. yeah yeah, yeah. That, go go oh, wow. go google that okay, literally you want to like point to the genesis of what got steve jobs going off on stuff you know was literally he took a calligraphy course and then was like oh, it doesn't have to just be these horrible black and green Whoa. ones and zeros and this and that maybe the experience can actually be visually satisfying. Hmm. And then it just opened up the the floodgates and stuff. That was Pandora's box on stuff. But I mean, wow, yeah, I just, it was like, yeah. So what what are some, um, like, Steve Jobs' calligraphy hobby? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a passion at the time. Do you have any other things that you do that may not be serving the, the whole, but, I mean, that are serving the whole, but they're not the, the big picture for you? Like, is there anything else that you're going to devote your time to that's not acting or using your body physically, reading? I think that's, I I think that's one of those things where you go, like, what are the, what are the, your hobbies that you enjoy, that you enjoy doing? And I'm like, I'm like, I love nature. You know, I very sincerely like, it's one of those things I can just nerd out about. And I'm like, watch, you know, PBS, Nat Geo, Discovery Channel, things like that. Those things, you know, and then again, the, 
the the content of of stuff that we're talking about when that watching content for your own enjoyment uh-huh. versus watching it to study. Right. And I'm like, you know, all those movies, like all, all the, I was like this April between Game of Thrones ending and, you know, Avengers Endgame happening. And I was like, there are a lot of chapters <laughs> that are about to close in my entertainment life that I'm like, I don't know how to, how to go doing that. But then, you know, it, it and I've got, you know, I've got friends and, and family and people that it's, that are in the non-performing world yeah. and that when you hang out, you're not talking career. You're just doing stuff and this and that. And I think it's... So you have a healthy separation? Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for some of my my closest guy friends from middle and high school. And I'm like, when we just go hang out, you're just there, you know? And we, I was... I forget who I was talking to you about it, but I was like, we never have any pictures from when we hang out because no one has their phone out. Love it. You know? It's just us. I'm, I've... Some of my best memories are with these people and I'm like, and we've got no photos of it cause we're just there and present. So, yeah. um, I wish I had like a cool, but then, and again, I go to working out where I'm like, right, there's this element about it that is for the professional side that is very practical. And then there's this other side about it where I go, yeah, and I do it cause I like to do it. I like to, you know, and I found this great community over at my gym that I go, this is a happy place. You can't you <laughs> yeah. can't fake that. You can't simulate no. that. When I walk through these no. doors, I'm in a better mood. And when I walk out after the workout, I'm in an even better mood. Yeah. Even when only- I have a even when I have a crappy workout, you're better than you were yesterday. You're yeah. better than you were an hour before and you've got something to work on. Yeah. And it's also it comes back to discipline. Yeah. Even if you go on a crappy day, you win on a crappy day, so you know you can go on a good day. Yeah. You know? And again, you know, and also let this be a disclaimer of being like, and that's something I struggle with every single day, you know, the, the discipline of just getting it all done and time management. I was like, if you, I could have a superpower, it would be to not get distracted and to you just know, be able to have perfect time management. You crazy. don't even need more time. I just go, right. If I could just use my actual 24 hours better, yeah. I would be a superhero. That's crazy. <laughs> I was going to ask you a question of the day. Like, you know, if if you could have days that were twice as long, but your life was like twenty years short, or like ten years shorter, or blah 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 blah, I was gonna d- stretch time and yeah. Yeah, ask some sort of a time question. You seem like a type of guy who likes to like make the most of of your time. I try, I, I try to, and often <laughs> don't, but I try to. Yeah. It is an everyday fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the the honesty part because I'm not trying to come over and be like, oh yeah, I've got every hour of my day in particular. And I'm like, you've got the mo- even just even for the workouts, you've got the days where you're on your couch and you're going, I do, I got, I'm about to go punish my body. Yeah. Well, you have those days where you're like, my calls in 40 minutes and I don't feel like telling this story. Yes. I mean, I th- that's one of the, like. And uh, doing some of the longer runs of stuff, like being on tour, and I yeah. go, "You're in a great mood. You're you're grateful for life. Everything is going pretty well. You got a job. You're you're in a good mood. I I just want to play outside today. Yeah. I don't want to go. You know what I'm like? And we're all yeah. we're all human, yeah. right? And I'm like, you don't like some like I'm a little suspect when people are like, I love going every single day. And I'm like, really? You don't Ooh. ever want to just like maybe go on a hike instead or something like that. And but I think that 
It it's doesn't mean you're not grateful. That. It doesn't mean you're not grateful. Well, it's, it almost means like that you're like to be present. That's your job as an actor. Yeah. So bring that truth in some way. It's learning how to focus that. Yeah. It's learning how to focus your reaction to what's actually happening. And it's that, not about trying to manufacture a desired effect. Yeah. It's about using where you are to get to where you need to be. That's my, your job. My girlfriend, she was just reading about. Um, this one actress that she admires and she was saying, I like the actress. She was like, whatever. I mean, we were running the show for so long. I just, whatever was going on in my life, I tried to bring that into the performance. Now, obviously not in a way of, uh, distracting or deterring or going sort of outside the parameters of what they've established. But it's a thing of that. It's like, Hmm, what if my character today, all of these sequence and lines need to be said, but what if I kind of got in a fight right before coming into the scene? You, I'm just going to use that to drive those those things with within the scene. And when, I think there's another fascinating psychological game of when you do a, a run of a show for that long, it's a very different animal that people don't, hmm. a lot of people haven't had the chance to experience, even with just a, a regional run of something. But I'm like, to do a show for years, you you got to find different ways to 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 stimulate yourself. And, yeah. you know, we all have our, our little tricks and this and that, but it's real because, oh, my worst nightmare is to, for a performance to become stagnant. That's, I just go, if your performance becomes stagnant, then I'm like, get off the stage. There's somebody, there are, not somebody, there are dozens of other people that can do what you're doing, right? Because we're all replaceable. I don't care how talented you think you are. There's somebody that can do the job better than you can. And will be so much more grateful to be in that position than yeah. you are. And I and maybe I, the fact that they're they will be more grateful is the, is what's making them do it better. You yeah. Know? Oh, absolutely. I saw, and we've seen it. We've seen it in shows. I'm not going to name them, but I've, I've I've in in all arenas. You know, regional. Uh, I saw like a, a tour come through the Kennedy Center. Saw a show on Broadway once where I was like, you all are so checked out, and I just I'm like I couldn't believe and it just ah it just it gets you worked up okay so now that you're worked up thinking yeah. about that i'm going to slide my final formal question to you yeah and then if you want to say something or anything else to like close up or if you want to plug anything you can but here's my last final formal question Fire which away. is which is um it has to do with like getting worked up rose and thorn highs and lows Mountains, valleys. I know that you've done a lot of touring mm -hmm. or some touring. What has been a rose of your whole tour experience and thorn? Because, like, I feel like a lot of my friends have done the tour bit, you know, national tours and stuff. And it just seems like such a vibe, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It feels like they all s talk about it and they're all kind of transported to a place the same place in their mind of like touring. Yeah. And it seems like just such a specific thing. So like, what is that beast of touring and what have been your, what's been your mountain in your valley, your rose and your thorn? So I am very lucky in that both tours that I was a part of were personally and professionally highlights people from both tours. And so both, both tours were probably, I'm going to say like a nine, like nine to 10 month experience, um, which is a, a decent amount of time, but I know some real war road warriors out there that are, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, that's like, and they, they were, they were back to back. So it was like a nice 
two year period of like living the road warrior lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so one of some of the highs of that is honestly getting to travel the country doing what it is that you love. And I remember doing beauty, beauty and the beast. That was one of the best paying jobs that I'd ever had at that point. And I had no living expenses and this and that. And it was one of those first real times where I was like, you literally, all you need to do is wake up and do your show to that. Your whole day revolves around that. Hmm. I don't need to finish my bartending shift. I don't need to finish this other, you know, side job. I don't need to finish rehearsals for this other project that I've got coming up because this run is only lasting for two weeks. So I need to immediately have the next things lined up. I knew for nine months, this is, that's it. You, you get to just go to work tonight and traveling the world and then doing it with some people that became some of my, my best friends. Wow. In, in a show that I love, but that 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 moment of just knowing that's all I got to do today, and everything my day revolves around being primed for that, and it's not distracted by I mean it's like you know this, these side jobs and other things and and having to do that that you I would deal with back back home. Right. Um, now some of the lows of that are you miss out on stuff. And you're away, and you're you're going to work when other people are getting their time off, and it was hard, and communication was a hard thing with with even just friends and family, and hmm. you're even more removed than just the average bloke who works a competitive job. But oh, we get weekends off, and you know, you know, grandma and grandpa live thirty minutes away or something like that. You you really were. Um, there, there can be on the road a very serious sense of isolation while still being surrounded by so many people. Um, yeah. And that's, and you can have a track that's incredibly lonely. I remember I had, um, I did a show recently, uh, uh, I did, it was the pajama game Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was weird because I was seeing all these people and the character he's basically in the show from like start to finish. Um, but it was a very lonely track. And I realized the person that I almost felt closest with was my dresser because she was the only person that got to see Tim in between scenes because every time I came off stage, I had a quick change. Huh. And so I got to I got to interact with her. Yeah. And then I would go back out on stage and I'd be interacting with my scene partners yeah. and, and everybody. And we're all there and we're present and I'm and and I'm seeing you, but we're in character. Right. So I'm not getting to to check oh, in man. with you. And so it was a very it I it didn't it didn't hit me until we got to the end. Yeah. Where I suddenly I was like, man, from the moment the show starts to the moment the show ends, I almost don't get to talk to anyone. Even though I'm out there doing all the stuff with people, it's not um, it's not Tim 
checking in with everybody. Yeah. It was yeah. always Sid. And I don't mean that in the method actor mean. I mean, I literally, right. you and I are never in the same place off stage because like I had a quick change going on. Right. So my dresser, Allison, and I, she was the one that I felt like I was joking and like going through my show with. So I was like, we would like finish the show together because I was like, you're the only one that I've checked in with as Tim because everything else is once you once you got backstage so chaotic and this and that when you're on stage mm. you're doing the you're doing the scenes and this and that mm-hmm. but hang on now now take that and apply it to a road show we are then even more just kind of like I don't even I don't get to go home to my girlfriend yeah. or wife or boyfriend or husband or significant other and it's like and then you can be surrounded by people but you're like I don't actually get to check in with with anyone right. but I mean, again, that that being that's the other side of the coin. But that being said, they were overall very, very positive, amazing experiences for me. Yeah, and I will say that the highs that you experienced and that you just said can maybe only be experienced in that context, whereas your lows can be experienced within any workplace. Mm-hmm. So there's one more reason to just do it just jump in the water if you're like sticking your toes in and you want to be a performer or or whatever side of the table it is just do it i'm like you get your office problems no matter where you work right like, it right matter, nothing's like, promised to, like yeah like there's shit everywhere a nasa a hospital or backstage of the theater you're gonna have the people that make your you know work environment a nightmare and then yeah. you're gonna have your work friends where you're like yeah. you make you get me through my day yeah well, I was going to say this earlier, um, but uh, there was this mindset that you were, something you said reminded me of it. And now that we have uh, jujitsu in con, or you know a little bit about it because of Jonathan, you you had some rolling yes. sessions in. Yes. Uh, there's this photosy mindset where it, in Brazil, it's like it kind of just means like fuck it, but it also means life is going to dump shit on you. Like, things will be out of your control. It's going to be messy. If you can do that with discipline and a smile on your face, then you've won. So to me, I think I can tie that into what we're saying is, like, if you want to be an actor or a writer or a set designer or a dresser, do it. It's going to be hard. You're going to have some highs and lows. But if you can do it and if you're happy, if you still have a smile on your face, why why would you not? If you're willing to just outwork everyone else, the success will follow, no matter what the field. Boom. <laughs> uh, is there anything, like what if I'm listening and I'm in New York and I want to see you? Where could I go? Uh, could just I hit me up on social media. What I mean, is this? What is your social media? Uh, I think Instagram is probably one of the best places to find yeah. me. It's it's super easy. Tim underscore Rogan. Tim Rogan. Yep. Tim so, underscore Rogan. So pretty easy to find. Cool. And I, I legitimately try to like get back to people as much as possible on that. And it's a pretty, it's probably like my go-to thing because Facebook's good, but honestly, Facebook evolves every month and I like forget don't know how to use it but instagram yeah. is still simple enough yeah. for me so and i think facebook is uh it's not dead but it's definitely a dying thing it's yeah it's kind of nice to watch it <laughs> go <laughs> it's already gone yeah. for me but you are not you're here thank you for being here thank you for having if me if you're man. interested or motivated or inspired by this conversation which how could you not be yeah go check out 
uh, Tim Rogan, Tim underscore Rogan. And if you're in the city, come to his shows and see him and stuff. And I don't know, he's on the road sometimes, so you may see him if you're in or Oklahoma. Out and about, yeah, Oklahoma, yeah, I've done stuff there. Yeah? Yeah, 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 actually, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, <laughs> I've got, like, th- yeah, three great shows I've done there, so. Ooh, that reminds, like, because Oklahoma City is mighty pretty. Can you sing something? Just, like, low, totally low pressure. You're baritone, so I was like, ding, I want to hear baritone voice. Oh. Um, like it could be a twenty a twelve second tag, like your favorite diddly that you like to sing on the sidewalk. I love if I loved you from Carousel. Oh, I love that song. Makes if me cry. If I loved you, time and again, I would try to say all I want you to know. If I loved you, we'll probably fade out here. Words wouldn't come in an easy way. Thank you, Tim underscore. I go. (laughs) This was awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Very encouraging. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. That was a high five. Oh, no. This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.